Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Speaking of reading articles, I, I, I got I subscribed to Rolling Stone. There was an awesome article about Neil Peart, uh, oh. the drummer for Rush. And, you know, because he died right before the pandemic. It was one of those, I don't, I don't even know if they had a funeral for him. I don't remember, but. His timing is so good, he died at the perfect time. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, why you know, put up with this bullshit? Fair. He, and, he, and he moved, like, he traveled a lot. So, but I, it, it got me thinking, like, I don't have any attachment to Rush at all. And and honestly, the uh, I Love You Man movie made me dis- dislike them when before <laughs> I had I was kind of ambivalent. I was like, what? I hate Tom Sawyer, the song, but like their other kind of hits, I, I I don't mind. But like that I Love You Man movie and the like slapping the bass and doing all that bullshit was just like this is the worst. Fucking yeah, I've never heard any. Shit. I've never seen as a as a as a dude in that demographic as a white fucking forty. Four year old guy, I've never seen any dude be like, "Oh, fucking Rush!" Like, I just feel like I'm being mis- misrepresented. I, I haven't either. I've never, I've never seen, even heard of this. I don't like, know who's, anybody who's um, super into yeah, Rush. I am, as well, not into Rush at all. I mean, I <laughs> well, re- that being said, that being said, I I, I like the guys, and they're yeah, fantastic. No, no, musicians. they're respectable. They're it's fine. Musicians. I get why people do like it, and I think. To what you said, Josh, I think watching that movie, I Love You Man, was the most I've ever loved Rush. This is what it's for. Like, if buddies are into it, I get it. If you're into it and you want to convene with other Rush fans, good for you. But when I was in high school and it'd come on the radio, I would immediately turn it off. It was one of those bands that I just loved to hate. Them and Steely Dan. I've come around on Steely Dan. They're they're great. But I, I didn't. I never. I've never come around on Rush. I feel exactly opposite about those two guys. I, those two bands, rather. I feel like <laughs> Steely, well, Steely Dan is like, well, not exactly opposite. I don't exactly care for either one, but Steely Dan, like, I don't think I would like you guys. I don't think I, I, I don't want to hang out with y'all. And Rush, no. like, there's a documentary. I don't want to hang out with Rush. Doc- I want to hang there's out with There's a great documentary Dan. on Rush and on, on, on uh, Amazon Prime. And while I don't love the band, first of all, they're, they're top-notch musicians. Sure. Top notch. Nobody I mean, is saying they're not. <laughs> yeah, well, but, they're, but they're, what's cool is like, here's what I love about Rush. Here's why Rush is better than a lot of bands, even though I don't love them. I do love the song "Working Man." That's a good song. Mm. Is because they're fucking honest. A lot of people default into this rock and roll bullshit attitude, dickhead vibe. I'm a, f- and they don't have to do that. You know what? They're yeah. like, we're nice guys. We're fine being nice guys. And I will take that over false bravado horse shit anytime. Yeah, full exposure. I do realize that every reason I do like fish is the same reason I hate Rush. <laughs> but to oh, that, expl- but, can you explain? Can you explain on that, please. Oh, just the the vocals aren't great. They're they're kind of more so nerd rock, like musician, like super talented musicians. But I think what does uh, bring me in for fish is just the guitar. The the guitar is the main focus, and on Rush, yeah, Alex Lifeson's a great fucking guitar player. It's fine, yeah, but I've never a, listened I mean, to Rush any Rush. Pretty riff heavy. I, it's like. not. It's riff heavy, but it's not. It doesn't speak to me. Like basically, their drummer and their bass player are known as like the savants, not the guitar. I mean, like no, the guitar is great. It's just part of the music. Alex Lifeson, I don't know. Man, it's fine. I'm, I'm saying okay. Then I maybe I need to listen what? to more of them because no, no, I, 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 like, I don't. I don't think I don't think they're exploratory enough for you. I mean, the difference between I'd say them and Fish is like Fish explores. They're definitely on the cutting edge. Like let's go fucking like in a in a spaced out. You know, like let's let's expand the genre, the art form. Fresh doesn't do that. And to me, I'd say that's probably the main difference. But it's a great comp, man. I've never thought about fishing and Rush as similar <laughs> yeah, yeah. or parallel. I like that. Never Go- going back to Steely Dan for a second, it was so funny. I had, when I was in college, my brother and a friend of his flew up, and we went to this guy who went to Northeastern's apartment. We were, like, getting high or whatever, and he was like, oh, you know, you're a guest. What kind of high? What kind of high? No, we were probably smoking <laughs> weed. Uh, possibly <laughs> mushrooms. I don't know. I don't know you like to get wet, Josh. <laughs> 
You let the get what? But the guy goes, they had a stack of records. He's like, just pick a record to put on. You're the guest. Pick it. <laughs> Thanks and for then, the demonstration, Neil. This Sorry. guy, <laughs> this guy grabs a Steely Dan record and <laughs> goes to put it on, and the guy is like, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anything but that. Anything but that. I mean, I love. They just seem like assholes. They seem like a really smart kind of dick. Who? Steely Dan. Oh, Steely Dan. Yeah. I, well, the funny thing is, I always you can tell they're smart. Guys. I always pictured every time I heard any of their songs, just the most the one that stands out is just the drink scotch whiskey all night long. Yeah. But I always pictured oh, is dirty work. Is that them? Huh? I'm a dirty work. Dirty, dirty work. work is probably my favorite song. Of um, That's that is Steely Dan. But right? every yes. time I heard Steely Dan on the radio, I pictured like. A guy with a uh, basically only two buttons buttoned on a shirt, like a lot of chest hair, a lot of sweat and bo, and like scotch, and like just that's kind of so like... yacht rock. So Steely Dan <laughs> is yacht rock. Well, I don't know. I, it's almost like, it's like uh, Hank Williams Jr. They're like sailboat rock. They're smart. They're like more upper class. Uh, <laughs> they're just like dick rock. Dick rock. <laughs> Which is actually the coolest genre I've heard of in a while. Dick rock. Yeah, that could go both ways. It could be either be good or fucking awful. In or out. And, and on that note. <laughs> and on that note, you are listening to Pod Gay Rock and Roll to you. And the speaking, last episode. <laughs> and speaking of bands that people love to hate or vehemently disagree on, this week we will be discussing the Dave Matthews Band, specifically the 1996 hit Crash Into Me. You've got your ball, you've got your chain tied to me, tie, tie me up again. One of the reasons that I like talking about Dave Matthews is that actually because I'm so hardcore into rock and country and blues and bluegrass and all this stuff. It can be easy for me to sound like I'm just into traditional stuff, but nothing. there's nothing I love more than innovation. And I feel like Dave Matthews is as innovative a songwriter as I've heard in decades. I mean, since like the, I feel like the great, like the 70s and all that kind of stuff, I feel like he's such a unique mm-hmm. voice. I feel like he can do it with his band, which is cool, but actually when he does it by himself or maybe just with one other guitar player, he really shines. I feel like he is such a unique voice. It's easy to write off as a pop act, and it's easy to criticize him because of his fan base, how people may may judge his fans or not or whatever. But I think he is just mm-hmm. an artistic talent that shines through all the bullshit. And in spite of his popularity, I think he is one of the more significant songwriters of the last 20 or 30 years, if not arguably the most. Yeah, and I can agree with that. Um, I think it's similar to um, some of like some of the stuff I've brought up prior in prior episodes, where you like you brought up the song because it kind of represents his sound in general. But I don't think it's his best work. You know what I mean? This song isn't my favorite of his. Um, I definitely like remember the song from the the '90s. I just remember the video specifically. But I was never like. I need more of that. I respected it. I think he is an innovative songwriter. I really respect him. I think it's great. I don't think this, this isn't my favorite, but I think this represents a version of his style of songwriting that has really propelled him into who he is. I agree with some of the stuff you said. This is definitely, I like, I don't, I don't hate Dave Matthews band. I don't hate Dave Matthews. I, I don't, this song specifically is definitely not candy to my soul. I like some of the other stuff a, a, a lot more. Uh, I heard this song for the first time. This came out when I was 13 years old, so it was right up my alley at the time. And, and you know, like, lyrically, it has some really clever stuff in there, although, you know, it's kind of gibberish sometimes. And, you know, I was super into him and his band at the time that they came out, especially when they came out with this. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, this song has an age, age well. Um, <laughs> but I I do, uh, for me, and I, I but I do respect it as, a, as like, a, a, a well-written song. It's just a bit precious for my taste, and you know, which Dave Matthews, in general, falls into that category at this point in my life. Like when I was thirteen to too eighteen, precious. it did not. As in too precious. It's too precious. Not enough balls. Not enough. So, so you're saying, huh, are you saying you want more balls in your life, Josh? I want more <laughs> balls in my life. I need to be surrounded <laughs> by balls at that. this point. At you thirty-eight, need I need more balls. If anyone has any balls out there, Josh wants them. 
<laughs> Real quick, I think it's not precious enough. I think it's a little too like break the fourth wall, like a little too dirty. Like, oh, interesting. I don't. I hate the line. I come into you. Like it, it takes me. It like it. I don't know. Like because obviously in the lyric it's spelled C O M E, but that's not what, what do you think he means. What? I'm not clear. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure what you're getting at. Josh, to your point. I think he's artistically has balls because he goes for shit that sounds weird and funny to a lot of people. A lot of people don't have the fucking balls to do that. Most people want to be popular. Neil, and to your point, I think he says it poetically enough to get away with it, and chicks dig it, which is impressive. Which is the fucking win. I agree. Chicks dig the shit out of this, but we're talking about what we think of it. I think anything chicks like, I'm okay with. Mm, that's not necessarily true for me, but like... <laughs> Sugar and spice. When I say, Jonathan, I, I agree. Like artistically, as balls, because it, it, right. he's a very uni- he's a very unique songwriter. Very I mean, quirky. like the songs he writes are like I don't know if it's the South African thing, but like especially it, when you I know you want to talk about the you know him and Tim Reynolds version, but I, I prefer the album version because I like oh, like cool. kind of the African beats and like I, I, the amount of percussion he uses in his songs. It, it really kind of takes a pl- and you know whatever the horns and shit. Sure. But like they take the place of your traditional like. Guitar solos and this and yeah. that about rock and roll, which I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of world music, and this almost <laughs> sounds know. like world. It's like world music slash easy listening slash soft rock. But it's still innovative. Sure, I'm not saying yes. it's not innovative. To I'm me, just saying I don't. I don't thing. ever need to hear this song again after this. I, week. I would, that's why I'll take somebody like Ani DeFranco over somebody like John Mayer because she's doing stuff that I'm impressed by, even if I don't identify with it. To me, innovation is always the biggest thing. I, but I can appreciate this being innovative and, and, and enjoying it at a certain age. I just think a lot of his music is lyrically directed at college and younger. But that's the age he was when it started out. Like He was young. He was like 24. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, today I listen to more Dave Matthews Band than I have since I was in fucking high school. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, some of the songs still hold up. I appreciate him more now. Than I did back then, for sure. That's hilarious, Neil. You say that because I appreciated him a lot more when I was that age when he was coming out with this music, and now I'm like, I I almost vacillated today between, God, I was such a cheese dick who thought I was cool listening to Dave Matthews at 16, or am I just a miserable, cynical prick <laughs> at 38? I like the fact that you're considering both options. That's important. I always respected Dave Matthews, but I think I like him more now. Like, I remember the, the video for this song and being like, oh, that's really good. But I wasn't like, I need more of this now. But now I'm kinda, I kind of realize how brilliant he's been just carving out his own sound. And I think this song specifically, like, is w- because the funky stuff that the Dave Matthews Band does and the jams, I'm like, I, I can take that or leave it. But these, <laughs> these, these sweeter songs with the, with the great melodies and kind of... Just kind of how he weaves in different time signatures and cool sounds is great. Well, see, that's my thing. I feel like Dave Matthews, for me, is the way the doors are for a lot of people. Whereas, like, I thought they were cool when I was young or younger, and then, like, then people kind of get tired of it. But now, but then if you go back and really listen to it, it's actually every bit as good, if not even better than you realized at first. Here's what I said. I've always said that, like, you know, Dave Matthews kind of like the what Phil Collins was to the 80s, what Billy Joel was to, like, before then, where, like, they became uncool even though they wrote a lot of great songs that people really fucking loved and made a lot of money doing it and had a big fan base. But for some reason in the rock critic thing, they were just uncool to like, you it know? It became cool to shit on them. Yes. I don't think so, necessarily. Absolutely. Like, he's gotten plenty of fanfare and That's what I'm saying. They still have fans. his whole career. But people just shit yeah, on Dave Matthews. Saying- it's, like L- it's like L.A. People like shitting on L.A. because it's great. Before example, there was, a, there was like a, this article in Rolling Stone years ago about Dan Auerbach, the song, you know, the guitar player and songwriter and singer for Black Keys, where basically like something came out that he was a Dave Matthews Band fan when he was in high school. And he... Uh, he was obviously a Dave Matthews man. Like you could tell in this article, where he was just trying to remove, like, remove himself from that fucking uh, whoever told shame. him that. Sack it was just like, fuck you, dude. Just fucking accept it. Sack you were you were into Dave up. Matthews at fucking some point. A. Well, when when was this? When did he this say was this? back in? Why would you be? This was back in the, because he people shit on, because he became uncool to like, just like Phil Collins did at a certain point. Just like, well, that he'll come back at a certain but, point. I think. 
But I don't think that was ever real. I almost think that that was just like a myth. Like everyone's it was like, definitely oh, real. People like Matthews. people. I don't know anyone who really hates Dave. Do you know but people that really Onum. listen to him Onum. and want to say no, that they like him? I do him? not know that. Do you either. know anybody? I do not. Do you know, know anybody either. who fucking uh, will tell you that they listen to him like without provocation? Besides me. No, it always comes with the caveat. It always, <laughs> it's always like, hey, you know what? That Dave, that Dave Matthews is pretty. Which is ridiculous good. because and if you're if you're a guitar <laughs> player, you realize how fucking brilliant he is. He's a fucking brilliant yeah, guitar player. Yeah, it's not my it's not my cup of tea, but I it's uh, but so I think innovative. it's it's so good. I just don't want to play like that, but I really think we're it's getting cool. into a little too much about Dave Matthews. Let's get get back into Crash Into Me, the song and the <laughs> the writing itself. Yes. I don't particularly find this melody outstanding. It's fine. It's not because it's a riff though. It's a riff. Oh, man. Well, listen, you guys in your riff and melody, like if if a song is instrumental. The riff is the melody. That's the melody no, the of the riff, song. No, it's not the melody. It's two different things. No, because at this one, it's... Yeah, That's the melody. And the melody complements the riff beautifully. That's fine. It's just, it's not a standout to me. But I think the... Really? No, the, yeah, the chorus is a great melody. Like the crash into me... Coming to you, I don't love those lyrics, but I think that's really like boom, 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 boom. I think it all works great together. I think neither the melody or the lyric in this song are standing. You don't like, like don't any really... melodies or lyrics. <laughs> no, I. Watch how effective this is. Yes. Sure. I, I, I know the song. When you first pick up a guitar, that's like what you want to strive for. Yes, I, I think that as a just acoustic guitar sound, it sounds fucking great. That's a very unique style, and it's something that you can't, you're not going to stumble into that riff. It's not like an ACDC riff. You're sure. not going to accidentally play that. Sure, but I think that may be my issue with it as well, is a lot of his stuff, because there's no like lead guitar behind it usually it's just this is somebody playing acoustic guitar like in, at 18 in college and they're good and they've written a song that's not bad but i don't want you i don't want to hear you playing it right now you, you know what i'm saying uh, you mean like it's not rock it's not rock and roll it's not right it's a very sweet song it's i like some of the pictures that he creates in this song even though he the says imagery. it's written right. yeah okay. some of the imagery that he creates in this song is very nice and very cool the way he writes it i like some of his lyrics i do think that he writes from a standpoint of melody first and then he's just scatting and then he eventually comes up with words so i think that this song well, particularly is a lot of gibberish that he just kind of got words for and rearranged and some of it ends up pretty cool and and, and works really well with the melody just from a songwriting perspective, I, I read something about when he was writing this. He didn't know what to do because it was always just scatting in the middle. It took him like a couple weeks to figure out exactly what to do. And I, I think he nailed it. I think, I think the verses are really great. You can tell that he was always just like, I have this crash into me and I just talk about whatever's on my mind through the lyrics. I think it turned out good when he recorded. I think it's a incredible riff. I think it's a very good melody. I think the lyrics are real solid, and some of the lyrics are especially effective. And to me, great, and then good, and then pretty good. If you have that across those three, across well, riff. What, what's, your fav what's your favorite lyric? Hike up your skirt a little more and show the world to me. Oh, my God. That's my least favorite <laughs> lyric. Well, that's the one chicks are always like, oh, now I want to fucking hike up my skirt right. for oh you, which God. makes me very it's, happy. It's so breaking the fourth wall. It's, it's, so it's not my least. Right? Isn't that cool, though? Isn't that cool? No. The best lyric in the song is "Sweet You Rock" and "Sweet You Rock." No, I change no. that lyric when I sing it. I, I, no. When I sing it, I, I <laughs> Josh, what's the best lyric? The, the best, best lyric? lyric is "I watch you there through the window and I stare at <laughs> you wear nothing. You wear it so well, tied up and twisted the way I'd like to be." That that is the best fucking lyric in the song. That that's like that's the most illegal lyric. I, I watch you there by the window and I stare at you wear nothing. But you wear it so well tied up Just the fact that he admitted like this song is about a peeping Tom. It's so kind of just dirty, This, which is cool. That's why chicks dig it. But that's why I'm like, Jesus, enough already with 
fucking come into you and hike up your score skirt like but it's the best combination of dirty and sweet well it's it's fine it's cool in the fact that he ends yeah. it within a boy's dream like that's what i'm saying when i heard this at 13 it was the perfect age to hear this song because everything he's talking about it, it's like a lot of things that you're talking about sex and like it's how you feel when you're learning about sex of like i am gonna look in and it's, it's you're yeah, struggling yeah. with it's like yearning it's also like very creepy but you don't know that you're just you'd have all these feelings about it and you're just hike up your skirt a little more i want to see it i want to see it in a boy's dream like that that's how it makes sense but my least favorite part of the song is i'm the king of the castle you're a dirty rascal get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here No, but here's my point. It's like it's it's like, it's like William Blake, Songs of Innocence and Experience. It's a combination of innocence and experience that is a devastating combination, regardless of how you cut it. And that's and it's very impressive to, to encapsulate all this complexity of Whoa. the human experience in a riff and a song. And the fact that we're even talking about this in depthly shows you how profound it is. And the reason I have a problem with it is because it's so beautiful, but that stuff takes me out of the moment. It makes me think of him like fucking some girl. It's like, so honest. I don't want to see so honest, that. It's so honest, though. Yeah, I, yes, it is. It's it's brutally honest. But I think it could have been more poetic um, because the whole song is so poetic. And then there's just these moments where it's just like... Here's the thing. But he, Who's the intended audience? The intended audience is clearly a woman. When my fiance listened to that today and she heard that line, she's like, that is prose. That is great writing. Well, Jonathan, can we get into... That we've seen Dave Matthews and Tim oh, Robbins I'm, do I'm this live. I'm very proud to admit that. Uh, I, I got. Oh yeah, no, we I, can, I, I, we I'm definitely it. proud. But that was, I mean, we went with our current girlfriends. What was that? What, or at, at our 1999, 2000. At the time, exactly, exactly. Yeah, in Boone, North Carolina, at the um, the the Boone uh, <laughs> whatever the, Appalachia <laughs> State. Yeah. Oh, it was a new. It was the new arena at? thing, which is now the old arena. <laughs> the new arena thing. <laughs> it, it was a fun night. Yeah, and <laughs> just 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 to kind of weave back in the Tim Reynolds version that you want to talk yeah. about, we saw that live, and I remember that night vividly. I remember us looking at each other and getting in trouble because we were like, Tim Reynolds needs to earn his keep. We were like, we were unimpressed. I don't need much Tim Reynolds, honestly. That's, that's why I'm a little confused <laughs> you wanted to talk about the Tim Reynolds version because I listened to well, both think, of them this week. And just so much more prefer the album version than Tim Reynolds. Well, I would prefer a version with just Dave Matthews by himself. I don't need anybody. Yes, yes. That's what that's what I think Jonathan wanted was just us to talk about Dave sitting around a campfire. The brilliance of what how he's beautiful doing. It is. Right. So that's what you should have kind of said. But there's not a version of that. Tim I don't Reynolds, know how the campfire takes. Well, no, we, we definitely got in trouble. Like, And one of my favorite stories from that night is us getting in trouble pre-concert. Because we were throwing beer bottles at a trying to hit trying to throw them in the That's dumpster. That's respectable. And they did they did not hit the dumpster. They crashed. They crashed else into and, something else. Crash into the street. <laughs> that that was the night that I learned that Jonathan likes to throw stuff. I have a throwing fetish. I enjoy long walks on the beach, poetry, and throwing things. At one point, you were at my Hollywood <laughs> apartment on the porch that is kind of was kind of up in the hills, and you were like. I just want to throw this beer bottle. Like I, I agree. I agree with you guys. Moving past Jonathan's throwing fetish, which I appreciate, yet don't <laughs> care about at all. I'm surprisingly it's bad hilarious, at the hills. <laughs> for a guy who's uh, so well, into it. you were never a pitcher, or so you never told me. Um, oh, definitely, I was never a catcher either. <laughs> <laughs> He's lived in the front. I, look, I, there's no denying that like Dave Matthews' acoustic playing is very unique in terms of you know songwriters in general from the last fucking 60 years. You know he writes songs and with very I don't know if they're complex chord progressions. I'm not a super good guitar. They're physically I'm a, difficult to do. I'm not a good guitar player. Whenever I try to learn one of his songs, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not gonna do this because it's just a lot of moving your fingers in uh, progress <laughs> in like ways that you don't it's aren't used to if you play guitar it's, and you're not a fucking weird. expert. Here's my problem with the Tim Reynolds version. And if we go into the music, it's like once you get into the little jamming they do at the end where he starts scatting, he's like, do, 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 oh, yeah, ooh, I'm 
okay. It's just like stop. You can just stop. album version is just kind of i mean he does the dirty rascal thing but like he's not it's not like yeah and then tim reynolds is like this and i can just picture all these people fucking drunk like oh my god this is a guitar so nasty i want to bring something about dave matthews you can't shit on him because you don't like his fan base i i was i was part of his fan base at one point i'm just saying or because you hate yourself whatever it is i'm just saying you can't fucking shit on him because you don't like the fans but the fan base loving that and him doing that, I don't, I don't like either part equally. The rascal, just the dirty rascal. You just don't like. But no, 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 no. From the from the the, the outro on the Tim Reynolds version is just, ugh, it's long Decemberish to me in terms of how say, bad it he is. He has the audacity to do it though. He has he, he just doesn't fucking care. He's just doing it. And that's why I love that he's that's not fine. Well, self conscious about it. He sounds like a. A fun guy, cool guy, good songwriter, but I don't want to listen to that shit. Me personally, so that's. But you recognize it's unique. What? what? Just the the Tim Reynolds stuff. Yeah, I actually don't mind it. The Tim Reynolds version up until I, I mean I miss the the drums on the recorded version because I think his drummer is. Uh, I probably should have looked up his name before we did this, but his drummer <laughs> is great. The drummer's name is Carter Anthony Beaufort. And and he sounds, and he does a lot of really cool shit on the recorded version of this that's yeah, missing, whereas totally. you just have Tim Reynolds like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, like, great. Fucking dial-up internet over there. <laughs> I totally get it. It'd be a perfect guy. He's a perfect guy for a songwriter to play with. He sounds like a guitar you know playing I mean? app. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even think he needs to rehearse. He's is just he like, even playing oh, this that is in song? C. This yeah. is in C. I'll, I'll go ahead and just vibe in C for a second. You want some C? You want C? It's almost like the guy that I would see on the Third Street Promenade, the two, like, dudes that look like extreme who could just play anything and you're like okay yeah this is impressive but i'm not gonna sit here for more than two minutes and listen to you play just um i usually do a videos version or a segment and my favorite video was him playing this solo for howard stern because and i knew that that's what you wanted to talk about was how he crafted this by himself and and the beautiful thing about this song is the way he and, and his playing in general is how he incorporates all the bass notes. You don't need a band. All the the whole song is there. The band is just extra, you know, production. But I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate on the recorded version, the percussion and the and the drums add a lot to this yes, song. Yes, yes, I agree that the the recorded version is better because it's just a it's a finished it's a finished thought on this song. And the Tim Reynolds is not. It's pretty. I find it. It's so ironic, but I think it's telling. Cause Josh, I think we'd agree. Like teaching guitar and stuff. Uh, you know, I realize people tend to go either in to be more melodic or more rhythmic. Rarely are people neither. Rarely are people both. But most people. And you tend to slant more melodic. Clearly, I slant more rhythmic. So therefore, it's funny that I find it interesting that you find all those extra drums and stuff more interesting. Cause I find it less interesting because. I enjoy the space of his riff. And here's why, why I think that is the case. Because I listened to the 23 song Live at Luther College, Dave Matthews, Tim Reynolds today. <laughs> oh my God. As well as, as well as the you are song a dirty that. Rascal. I am. Uh, but you are not the king of my castle. I, I uh, have no interest in any sort of monarchy situation whatsoever. <laughs> king Johnny the Fourth. Um, King but, Johnny uh, the fucking shit <laughs> it, It's funny, like, because the album this is on, the first five songs, I, I, re- I was kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed listening to them. And I'm pretty sure he plays all five of them on the Luther College thing as well. And just by the end of that, I was just like, when is this going to end? When is this acoustic jamming going to end? Hey. But you need, the way he writes songs, I think, really has so much, like, African world, like, music beat influence it's just better when the drums and the, and the horns the are there i hate the jamming but i don't think this song particular displays that 
all that well. Like this isn't four four. It's uh, it's a pretty standard beat. But again, there's so much going on. Like there's so many weird little ticks and and percussion beats, and like it's almost like they're popping on wood at some point during the recorded version. I just it just makes the song more interesting See, for to me. That, to me, that feels unnecessary. And that's what's cool about it. It's interesting that we like the songs for totally different reasons. I, I didn't say I like the song. I just like that recorded version. Well, whatever the fuck you think is interesting <laughs> that we're different. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good statement. That's well, how people should approach yes, life. Whatever yes, the fuck yes. you think is cool that we're different. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the other big aspect of the music and instrumentation here is the vocal. Now, Neil. On the vocal? I think go. the vocal's amazing. Um it really is. I, I just don't. I have trouble with the lyrics, but I think the the way he delivers the lines are amazing. And if we're talking about him and Tim Reynolds, there's this version of him doing it at Radio City Music Hall, which is just like, I love it. So like, it's it's the one part, the one version of this this song that I really just gravitate to. It's at the end where he's just he builds it up, and and this particular version he quotes in little feet he's like i'll be your dixie chicken you'll be my tennessee lamb and then he goes it's just a perfect like crash in the ring it's like he hits it so well i agree that's a better version than the luther college i again just hate the end of both of them so the dixie chicken part (laughs) just strikes me as such cheese dick bullshit and uh, you don't like cheese i like cheese I, (laughs) i don't like it on dick jonathan What do you like on dick, Josh? (laughs) (laughs) What's your preferred condiment? Did you just spit out your beer? (laughs) He did. He did. (laughs) That's my first real life spit take. I want to thank Josh. I want to thank Neil Marsh. Without you two, this couldn't have been possible. (laughs) Oh, good God. (laughs) No, no. The... the, (laughs) Here's here's where I get into the because I don't mind. He is definitely a super earnest singer, and I, I think he's super genuine about it. Because if a lot of songs are about love and like being positive and being like a positive influence on the world, I absolutely respect that. But I respected a lot more when I was younger, probably because I wasn't as much of a cynical prick as I am now <laughs> in my here. older age. But I, the, the vocal for me is great, and I do up until a certain point. But I do love on the Tim Reynolds uh, Luther College where he goes crash, and then the guitars go dun dun dun, and then he sings into me. Like I like cool? how he kind of delays it. How I when you come crash into me, and I come into. He goes in the do 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 oh ha 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 like I'm just like just, I'm out. To be clear I'm about that, though, real quick, Josh. To be real, to be clear about that, you got two dudes sitting there. I'm, he kind of feels like he just needs to do something else, right? Like he doesn't hey, do well, that no, no. shit as much hey, in the band. Well, it's just that's like, what I Tim Reynolds is there for, right? That's not unfair. That's not unfair. I think that's fair. But he just likes to scat. I mean, I know you don't like it. It is true. I know. Yeah, and that's you don't like that's one of the reasons his vocal it's not as bad for me as Counting Crows, but like Well, I think it's all about him hitting those like and that's why I like the Radio City Music Hall. If if he's hitting like those big moments, like I don't care what he's scatting about. It basically it has potential, the end of this song, where it's all building up to an obvious climax of the song and whatever this man is going through, you know? Josh, yeah, to what you're saying, as just about Dave Matthews, as uh, with this song in particular, and how he's just, he's just a great musician, a great individual. Like he was asked by Vulture about this song's use in the the, the Oscar winner Lady Bird nominee. It didn't like, win anything. Okay, well, okay, and he was like, it was so lovely to see this song used as a central tool of someone else's story. And just the moment so beautiful, like the woman takes a stand in the movie. And But the main part of this quote was just at the end where he's like, he has a weird relationship with the music he's written. He's like, I listen and I'm like, 
what am I talking about? This is bullshit. <laughs> it's like, it's so good to see Crash Into Me and how it worked and, and how other people interpret and use his music is so cool, you know? Sure. And that, and that's fine. I mean, it, it does work really well in that movie. And like, I, I, I should have said that. Like, I probably hadn't thought about this song since I was 15, but before I saw that movie. And I was like, oh, wow, you know what? Crash Into Me is not a terrible song. But... To that point, I must say, like, if, if you were making out with a girl and this song came on, would you both just start laughing? I think I would. I think I'd have to turn. Uh, I don't think I could deal no, with it. No, not if she likes it. Like, if it happens after listening to it all yeah, week? Yeah, I guess it depends on her. All I about her. I, I, would, I, would, I would be like, we got to turn this. <laughs> now I will. Moving forward, I will. But before, yeah, like Jonathan said, if, if, if she was digging it, I'd be fine with it. Now, there there really is no production. I mean, there's a producer on the thing, but Steve Lillywhite is a producer of the song in the recorded album, which we haven't really talked about much. So, Yeah, I think just as far as production and, and the song in general, I love that um, they. it was just so calculated and cool the way he wrote this song. It was called Crash Into Me, and then they named the album Crash, and then like basically this song finishes that sentiment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it, it was kind of just a cool use of um, just production of the whole well, album. Well, the production is also like, this is so 90s. And I think is for it, me... Though? Yes, no, that's why. That's why. It, yes, it's so no, 90s. That, it's that's so why I love. That's why I love the acoustic version because it takes all that shit out of it. I don't even think it does. I mean, it's still just associated like the with Who the 90s. Like, you associate it with the 90s. Everyone. No, no one else sounds like Dave Matthews. Rusted Root, Ben Harper, G Love. They don't sound like Dave. You would never. <laughs> Counting Crows, David Gray, Hootie and the Blowfish. You would never mistake <laughs> them for Dave, Dave Matthews ever. But you would know they came out at this no. period. Well, that's just yeah, that's like saying the pyramids are from ancient fucking Egypt. It but we're talking about anything. production. That's what it is. I mean, it's there's it's, no production on the version I'm talking about. You can't talk about the version you're talking about without talking about the original, which it's I, associated totally with that age, that decade. <laughs> I said what? that age as if it was the Bronze Age that and age. encapsulated <laughs> thousands of years. The, the, that the decade. age of douchebaggery. No, but just to the point of the '90s, this song is so 90s. Like, Jonathan, I don't know what you're talking about. But that's just when it happened to be popular. Like, Elton John isn't the 70s. It just when it happened to come about. No, it transcends the decade, is my point. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does for no, me. Doesn't. Okay, it doesn't for me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. This is one of the most unique pop songs in the last 30 years. No. Man, this more song? Unique it's, with, it's more unique Ants Marching more unique. by Dave Matthews was more unique than this song. No, it's not. Under the I Table so. and Dreaming is more unique than this song. No, it's no, it, the, the, this. Listen, I think he carved out a great sound, but I think it is very grounded in the 90s. I think he's taken that to into now. Like, he, he's still producing great music. Izzy Neal, what's your favorite most recent song by Dave Matthews? Samurai Cop. If you had never heard of Dave Matthews, that song could come out now and be a hit. It's not tied to the 90s. Yes, I agree with you that it would still be good. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's good enough that it defined part of the 90s. You know what I mean? If it came out now, it would define now. But it's now. not formulaic like, like a lot of the 90s This could work. fall into That's like an Ed Sheeran category no. of music at this point. It's better than Ed Sheeran. Sure. I don't know enough Ed Sheeran to, well, to, let's, to associate that. Hey. but. We're not quite under the influence. I, so I am under down. the influence. But no, no, no. Um, <laughs> they, I, I, as we adjust ourselves and get to the vibe time section of the pod. Oh, man. Um, I'm not sure I've ever consented to this time of the pod. Jonathan, it's vibe hey, time. Man. Please uh, enter. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Pick Thank number you. two, Thank you, Johnny. Johnny, you picked the song. When yep. when do you want to hear Crash Into Me at this point in your life? When nobody else is around. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, here's the thing for me as a guitar player. I just want to sit and play this riff because it's oh. so... Okay. Here's what happens: yeah, is you yeah. play a bunch of other riffs, and you play this riff, and you see the effectiveness of it. it. It's astounding. Yeah. Well, I think after listening to it all week, I don't, I don't know if I ever really need to hear it again. Really <laughs> You're like, fuck this song. 
I've, 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 yes, I've, I've gotten everything I need from this song. I'm done. Yeah, like, like I said, I mean, like, I never want to hear this song. I, 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 it's, it's for college me and younger, and that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing on this song. It's just music enjoyed during a specific period of life that I don't enjoy anymore. So, not as a pushback, but as a, as a response to that. I want to be clear. When this song came out, it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't really into it. That's where we differ. And that's where we differ. And so what it is is I was listening to The Stones and The Grateful Dead and Marley and Zeppelin and all that shit then. And then now, just me as a musician, when I hear just the composition of it in abstract, I'm like, wow, what a unique voice. Like, it's, it's just it's yes. not in context because I, I wasn't part of the bandwagon. Because I remember when we were going to see that show, Neil, I was kind of shitting on Dave Matthews. Oh, you? What? You, Tony? I know it's so, un, un, you know, it's so unusual. I had a little nugget about this song that I thought was uh, very hilarious. Is This was used in the uh, season four finale of The Office while Michael was in his office compiling a mixtape for Holly. Oh, uh, really? Really? <laughs> just, it was in that? So, so perfect. What's that? It was, I, I, don't, I, I remember him doing that. I don't remember that. It's, God, that's so great. That's so perfect. So now that we are good and lubed up, let's slide under the influence and uh, talk about what we think that was influenced this song and what it's influenced. Well, I mean, John, maybe it's too easy of a tie-in because he's South African. I really hear like so much of the Paul Simon stuff. Like I hear that South African yeah. influence. What was the album Paul Simon? Graceland. Yeah, the Graceland. It's got that because what it is it? His timing is so quirky and unusual. It catches you off guard a bit. That I, I really hear that, and then to your point, I do think he kind of like led to like a more of an edge sheer than my, almost anyone else I can think of. But where it's like all about narrative and words, and the music is almost there again abstracted. It feels like you're hearing a piece of the music, but not all of it. Yeah, Neil. Yeah, Paul Simon's perfect, and I think even his wife of years, Edie Brickell, kind of I think that that works as well, and I think. He influenced um, a lot of people. Unfortunately, a lot of like Mayer, Raz, Jack Johnson, they're carbon copies. They just have the same fans. No, they're, well, in general, just the 90s music, there were so many contemporaries of the same style, but Dave Matthews was far superior. There were so many, like this 90s acoustic rock, Rusted Root, Ben Harper, G Love, Counting Crows, David Gray, Hootie and the Blowfish, but he was, I think, superior to them all. But there was an acoustic rock like revolution in the late nineties that well, was hilarious. Like you said, with you're saying Paul Simon, like I would even say something like Bella Cootie. Just it's that uh, those African like rhythms and beats, like kind of. And he's just such a unique songwriter. I'm not. I'm not really sure how many people influenced him other than like, you know, that kind of music. Now, definitely the first time I, I remember seeing John Mayer play a song on, I don't know, Leno or something and being like, holy shit, his facial expressions are the same. He's like trying to sound like him. And, and yeah, like it's the same thing with like Pearl Jam and like Eddie Vedder's voice with like Creed and shit like that. Like he can't help like how shitty the, some of the music that like he influenced was. Um, I think Mumford and Sons is a good evolution of the Dave Matthews kind of acoustic rock kind mm, of. No. Um, just a very epic no. kind of love For songs. me, Dave no. Matthews is Elton John, Cat Stevens, fucking Paul Simon. Like, all those other folks are people who happen to ride his coattails into a demographic. Sure, later later on. Sets. Mumford & Sons is more like coming sets. from a bluegrass thing, I think. They're all I don't so think generic. They're... Compared to him, everyone you mentioned is so generic. Hey, I agree that they're coming from more of a bluegrass, but it's an acoustic rock. It's very sentimental. Sure, I don't. Kind but Dave Matthews just, isn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say sentimental. I would say like. No, but but I think even the way Mumford and Sons the guy sings is he just has a very. He's more um, Bono. He's more like a folk Bono voice. than than Dave Matthews to me. I, I don't know. I just I don't I don't agree with the Mumford and Sons comparison. Well, but whatever. No one seems as creative outside of like Radiohead or. But I don't think this is the song that <laughs> that shows how fucking unique he is. Yes, exactly. Yes, you don't think I, so? I think no. there's. So show me no. another person who has a riff this good and a melody this unique and lyrics that people like this much. Well, I think satellites. Is well, look, better. look. Let's let's like, let's like slide under the better. covers real quick and talk about the covers of the song because none of them are any good. 
Stevie Nicks, I it fucking love that. It sucks. Shit. I think she was born to it sing this sucks. song. It sucks. Oh, I love the I love it's the rushed. No, stop, man. No, when I listened to it, I was like it it brought more life to the song cuz I was like, "Oh, this is actually it doesn't need Dave to sing it." I thought Stevie Nicks was Ooh. born to sing um, "Sweet You Rock" and "Sweet You Roll," and yeah, I don't think it, I'm not I'm not gonna put it on. I I I'll probably will put it. On. Oh my god! <laughs> not, I'll not, put it on for I'm like a minute will, of the song yeah. today, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, uh, can't do this." I mean, I love Stevie Nicks and I love Fleetwood Mac, but no, like, shit, fuck it was that. great, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I was I was well, taken aback. Well, by her version. did y'all listen to any other? Did either one of you listen to any other covers? Mm-mm. Okay, no. so let me just go down a quick list. Uh, there's one by Steve Aoki and Darren Chris, which is, oh, I put it's that hard to do, seconds. but it is the worst of the covers. It's very idolish. Uh, there's a, the Rockabye Baby version is, you know, what, you know, they always make songs sound somewhat sweet. There's a version by Max Abrams and Lance Allen. That's basically the smooth jazz version of the song. Also not something I would recommend. And then there's Petey. There's one by this guy, Petey. And then another one by Scary Pockets and Just Don't Bother. And then Elematics, which is like a female idol version, also pass. So it's really about him playing this song. Like, I don't think it's that good of a song. I, I think he That's has better songs. And I, I, mean, I don't, I don't think... hear any good versions of Purple Haze either. And that doesn't mean Purple Haze isn't a good song. Like, most people, f- sometimes they just crush it from the start. It's, it's, it's a tough song Well, to well that gets us to Does a Shoe Fit? And Jonathan, how does a shoe fit? Like a fucking pair of Birkenstocks, Josh. Oh, there you go. Repeat offender. Well, I'll, I'll one-up you with Tiva. <laughs> oh, Touche, touche. <laughs> and while I'm at it, let's just get into the whole outfit. Oh, give me, let me have it. Um, we'll go, we'll go visor, cargo shorts, <laughs> uh, beat up uh, hard rock, hard rock cafe visor. t-shirt. <laughs> hard rock cat, no, no, definitely a beat up tour '96 shirt. No, no. Well, you didn't want to be the guy who wore the shirt to the concert. You'd be at the concert with a beat up hard rock cafe t-shirt on, visor, Tifa sandals, cargo shorts. Um, swag in the pocket, hemp necklace. <laughs> so much hemp on the necklace. <laughs> I would, I would go, I would go. The shoe doesn't fit. It's too small. And you know, I, I just again, <laughs> I, I prefer. I would prefer you like prefer an balls. ants marching or an under the table and dreaming. Ants marching, or even what would you say or Jimmy thing? Um, no, come on, come no, on. no, I would. We can't go the. No, we can't do that. Like the, all of his funky stuff. I'd rather hear that than this. Yeah, see, I, my, my thing with that, Matthew, is I just assume him be by himself playing and just showing how. To me, it's like uh, the way, you know, you see like a Da Vinci painting, but then you see a Da Vinci sketch, and almost like the sketch is more. That's how I feel about that, Matthews. <laughs> On that note, we are about to play this song, Dave Matthews Band, Crash Into Me. Y'all want to watch? I'll let you watch if you want to watch. You've got your ball, you've got your chain. To me tight, tie me up again Who's got their claws in you, my friend? Deep in your heart, I'll beat again Sweet like candy to my soul Sweet you rock, yo, my little rock and roll Lost for you, I'm so lost Into me, yeah, baby, and I come into you. I come into you.
lips just so I know Love in your eyes, it glows so I'm bare-boned and crazy for you Wow, when you come crash into me, yeah, baby And I come into cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thank you for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Feel free to send us any recommendations. Uh, next week is Neil's week, so Neil, what will we be discussing? We're going to be discussing Bob Dylan's Lay Lady Lay, a fantastic love song. I got a big brass bed for you. <laughs> Can't wait! <laughs>